All right, well, over the last month, you'll know we've been working through our vision series, and I hope that you have been enjoying it so far. If you have missed any, please do catch up online. Last week's is not on yet. I've had a few messages. I'm sorry. There were some technical difficulties. I may have to re-record the message, but I will do it with as much passion and gusto as I possibly can, sat in my living room or office or whatever, but we'll see what happens. But honestly, God has been moving in this church over the past month. There have been some incredible things. We've seen healings. We've seen chains broken off. We've seen powerful prayer moments. God is really doing something in in this place and I believe it's because we're getting behind this message that we are called to stand. We're called to stand. And so while this may be the last week um, in this series at the beginning of the year, looking at vision for 2024, we're going to revisit this theme throughout the year. We're going to remind ourselves at various points throughout the year of what it is that God is speaking to us and over us in 2024. But let me just read to you one more time the key verse for this year, and it's found in Ephesians 6, chapter 13. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. And so I shared at the end of January just this idea and this theme that we're called to be people who stand. We're called to be people who stand in, stand up, and stand firm. And we've kind of dug into stand in and stand up over the past two weeks. And this morning, we're going to be looking at the idea of standing firm. And when I shared at the beginning, at the end of January, sorry, I just emphasized three areas that we are to stand firm. We're to stand firm on God's word. Because God's word is a firm foundation. Hey, we've been singing it this morning, haven't we? God's word is a firm foundation on which we can stand. And when we build on a solid foundation, when we build on solid ground, on the truth of his word, we are unbreakable, we are unshakable, and we are unstoppable. So we've got to stand firm on God's word. It says in Psalm 119, your eternal word, O Lord, stands firm in heaven. We've got to secondly stand firm in our faith, and we're going to dig into that this morning. But it says in Exodus 14, 13, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. Psalm 40, verse 2, He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire, and he set my feet on a rock, and he gave me a firm place to stand. And then thirdly, we need to stand firm against the attacks of the enemy. We are under attack. The enemy is very real and he will do everything in his power to stop us living in God's will. But we have been equipped with everything we could possibly need in order to stand firm against him. But this morning we're going to look at the theme of standing firm in our faith. So why don't we pray and then we'll jump into this. Yes, yeah, so Father God, we just thank you for this opportunity once again to gather together to open your word. And I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would speak to each and every one of us, that you would bring out fresh revelation to us this morning, that we will be impacted, we will be challenged, and we will be transformed more and more into your likeness. In Jesus' name, I pray. And everyone said, Amen. 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 
So God's really been challenging me this week and he's kind of got me to a place and I love this, that actually I am confident that this message is for us this morning. You know, sometimes I stand up here and believe it or not, I don't feel confident in what I'm bringing and it's often those times when God does the most work. But this morning, he's really been, this week, sorry, he's really been speaking to me, he's really been challenging me um, and he's got a word for each and every one of us this morning. But let me just give you a reminder of that word stand. We looked at it right at the beginning of this year. In the Greek, the word is histemi. And its meaning is to make a stand, to place, to set up, establish, and appoint. It means I stand ready, I stand firm, and I stand steadfast. And so we all have an innate Physical, physiological response when challenges come, when difficulties come, when we find ourselves in a situation that is perhaps a little bit uncomfortable. We choose to either fight or flight. That is just how we were created. It's, it's who we are. And so this idea of standing firm, it implies that there is going to be something that comes against us that, we, that will mean we have to stand firm. That we have to make a decision not to run away even when everything within us is screaming, get out of this place as fast as we can. But actually we need to make a decision to stand firm. And I believe that God wants to say to some of you this morning, it is time to stand firm in your faith, to have confidence in God's goodness, to have confidence in God's faithfulness, to have confidence in his promise and his calling for your life. Because you were placed here for such a time as this. He has given you a calling, he has given you a purpose, and he has good things planned for each and every one of you, if only you would stand firm. So that is what we're going to be doing. That is what we're going to do. With God, everything, we've got everything that we need. We are fully equipped. We are fully geared out. We've got all the kits that will enable us to stand firm. So this morning, I just want to spend a few moments looking at Moses to get some encouragement from him. So just to give you the context before we get into this, Moses was called by God to rescue the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. God said to Moses from the burning bush, you need to go to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. That was God's command. That was God's instruction for Moses. And what follows, many of us will know, is that Moses goes to Pharaoh and he speaks these words. And Pharaoh says, no way. And then what comes is 10 horrendous plagues. And I'm not going to go through them all this morning. But God does something absolutely incredible and mind-blowing in Egypt until Pharaoh finally gives in. And he says to Moses, do you know what? Get out of here. I have had enough. I have had enough. And so Moses leads God's people out of slavery and towards the promised land. Towards the place that God has spoken for his people. A land that is flowing with milk and honey. It is the place for you to be. The place for you to set up and call home. And it says in Exodus 13 verse 18. God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt, equipped for battle. 
Now, I know this story quite well. I've read this story many times, as I'm sure many of you have in this place today. But I have never seen this. In fact, there's two points I'm going to bring out this morning that I have never seen before. And God just brought them out to me. And do you know how he did that? It was through Lectio Divina, or whatever it's called, that we're doing in life groups. Because I sat in our life group on Tuesday, and I learned this new way of reading the Bible. And so I put that into practice this week. I was really struggling, if I'm honest, about how to share this message this morning. And that's just me telling the truth. I had no idea what I was going to bring until Friday morning. When I said, okay, what I'll do is I'll sit down and I'll go through this Lectio process on this verse and see what it is that God wants to say to us this morning. And he brought this revelation, something that I have never seen before. We know about the ten plagues. We know that the people flee, uh, get escaped from slavery in Egypt and they make their way into the wilderness. But I had never seen this. It says that they went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. Equipped for battle. I'd never seen it before. Because the Israelites, they were heading to the promised land, which sounds wonderful. It sounds great. It sounds lush and fantastic. But the reality is that they weren't just going to be able to waltz in there and set up camp. There were enemies in the promised land that they were going to have to defeat and take over in order to set up home there. And so they left Egypt prepared for battle. So they had their armor on, they had their swords at the ready, maybe they were marching in formation, I don't know what that looks like, but they were going to the promised land. It was only 11 days journey for them to make, so it wasn't too much for them to be all geared up and ready to go. But they didn't know at the time when they left Egypt that that 11 day journey was going to take them 40 years. They didn't know that. And so they're out, they're on this journey, they left a life of slavery behind, they're heading towards the promised land and Moses leads them into the wilderness and towards the Red Sea. And so here's the picture. God has rescued his people from slavery. He's brought them out of that place and he's taking them towards his fullness and his promise. And they're heading in the right direction, they're following God's lead, but they come to the Red Sea. And now the Red Sea is an obstacle for them. It is an impassable barrier. It is an impossible barrier. They come to the Red Sea. This thing that they are not going to be able to get past. This thing that is stopping them from getting to where God wants them to be. This thing that is between where they are now and the promise of God. There's this obstacle, this impassable, impossible obstacle. And get this, at the very same time that they arrive at the Red Sea, this obstacle in their way of getting to God's promises, getting to God's fullness, Pharaoh has a change of heart. He decides, why the heck did I let all that free labor go? I want them back. And so he rallies up his army and he sends them. He goes with his army chasing after the Israelites. And so the Israelites find themselves at the Red Sea, this impossible barrier before they get to the promised land. And then coming up behind them is Pharaoh and all his armies. So they are literally stuck between a rock and a hard place. Do any of you ever feel like that in life? 
where you find yourself in a moment where going forward seems impossible, but going backwards is so scary because there are things snapping at your heels that you would rather not have to mess around with. They are in between a rock and a hard place. What the heck are they supposed to do? What are we supposed to do when we find ourselves in a situation like that? Well, look at this. And I'd not seen this before either. Two revelations out of one passage. Praise God. In Exodus 14, verse 10, it says, When Pharaoh drew near with all of his armies, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. So God's people had just seen God do some mind-blowing things. He had seen him bring down these 10 plagues on Egypt. These things that were clearly not just random uh, occurrences, but were obviously mighty acts of God. They'd just seen it. they just witnessed it. The water in the River Nile turned to blood. Do you know what the largest river in the world is? It's the River Nile. It is 4,000 miles long. It is quite a big river. And the Bible tells us that the water in the River Nile turned to blood. That's grim. But it's also super impressive. It also says that for three whole days, the world was brought into darkness. Now, I don't know what that looked like, whether that was a solar eclipse, whether the sun just didn't rise. We don't know. It doesn't tell us. But what it does say is there was darkness over the land for three whole days. No light whatsoever. It also tells us that every firstborn child in Egypt died. But the children of the Israelites were saved because of God's promise, because of God's goodness, because of God's faithfulness. And so God had quite literally, days earlier, done these exploits that were just mind-blowing, mind-boggling, and just unfathomable. He'd done this stuff. Surely there is zero doubt about God's existence, about God's goodness, about God's faithfulness. He'd rescued them by such miraculous circumstances. And yet the scripture we just read says that when Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes and they were gripped with fear. They lifted up their eyes and they were gripped with fear. Their focus moved from their saviour to their circumstance and fear took over. Does that remind you of anything from the New Testament? Because Peter and his disciples were in a boat at night time and quite literally moments before Jesus had fed 5,000 plus people with some boys packed lunch. He'd done this thing that was just And the disciples are out on the boat and they see this figure coming towards them and they think it's a ghost and they freak out for a bit. And then Jesus says to them, don't worry, it's me. And Peter says, if it's you, tell me to come. And so Jesus says, all right, come on out. The water's lovely. And so Peter steps out of the boat. Peter does something that's just incredible. He steps out of his comfort zone 
out of the place that represents security, that represents stability, and he steps into uncertainty, all because Jesus asked him to. And he steps out of the boat, and he begins to walk on the water. He was actually doing it. But then the verse after that says, but then he lifted up his eyes. He began to look around him and he saw the power of the wind and the waves crashing and he begins to sink. But Jesus immediately reaches out his hands and picks him up. And it says that they walked back to the boat together on the water. Peter lifted up his eyes. His focus shifted from his saviour to his circumstance and fear took hold and he began to sink. Peter was living in God's fullness. He was doing something that we just can't even wrap our heads around. How many disciples were in the boat? Eleven, because one got out. We can't mock them and we can't mock Peter. He stepped out of the boat. He stepped out of his comfort zone and he stepped into impossibility. I mean, gosh, who of us would have the courage to step out of the boat onto some water, believing that Jesus would sustain us and turn this water, this liquid into a solid ground? Peter did it. He stepped out of the boat and he stepped onto the water and he was walking with his eyes fixed on Jesus, focused on his saviour. And while he was doing that, he was fine. While he kept looking at Jesus, he was doing the impossible. But when he took his eyes off his saviour and he began to look at his circumstance, fear gripped him and he began to fall. Church, we need to focus our eyes on Jesus. It's so simple. We just need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, remembering his goodness, remembering his faithfulness, remembering all that he has done for us in the past. He just fed 5,000 people and yet the disciples were scared. He just brought the 10 plagues on Egypt and yet they lifted their eyes and they saw the armies coming towards them and they forgot everything that God had just done for them and fear gripped them. Church, don't let your focus shift from your saviour to your circumstance and allow fear to take hold. We need to stand firm. If we're going to stand together in unity, if we're going to stand up for the truth, if we're going to stand firm in our faith, we need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Don't let the wind and the chaos that surrounds you distract you from him. Don't let your difficult circumstances and the challenges that you're going through distract you from him. Don't let the attacks of the enemy as subtle and as dangerous as they are distract you from him. Keep your eyes firmly locked on your saviour and off your circumstances and you'll be all right. You'll be able to walk on water. You'll be able to see the impossible become possible. You know, we need to look, we need to put some blinkers on. You know, those things that horses wear that just give them tunnel vision. That they are focused on one thing. It stops them from seeing what's going on around them. It stops them from getting fearful of the things that are next to them because they're just focused ahead. 
They're just, their eyes are just fixed on where they are going. And that is what we need to be doing. We need to have tunnel vision on Jesus, who is leading us to new heights, who is leading us to new levels of faith, in whom we will see the impossible become possible. We're going to see the supernatural and the miraculous break out in this place when we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and we keep walking forwards. It says the Israelites lifted up their eyes and they saw the enemy coming towards them and they were gripped with fear. They were gripped with fear. And do you know what they did next? They started blaming. They started pointing the finger and they said, Moses, you're the fall guy for this. We are stuck between a rock and a hard place. We are not happy. We are filled with fear. And so we need someone to blame. And so they pointed the finger at Moses and they said, this is your fault. We are in this place because of you. Oh, how we remember the good times back in Egypt. There was food back there. We had work to do back there. We didn't have enemies chasing us back there, even though they were right there living with us. They forgot all of the bad stuff. And they were like, Moses, we want to go back to Egypt. How many times when we find ourselves in such a difficult situation, stuck between that rock and a hard place, do we think, oh, do you know what? It would probably be easier if I just went back to what was comfortable, back to the life that I know, back to where maybe it wasn't easy, but at least I know what to expect. I know what to expect when I stay sat in the boat, but taking a step out of the boat and onto the water, that's where it gets scary. That's where things get a little bit real. And so the enemy wants to keep us in the boat. The enemy wants to keep us in in that place of fear. But God is saying, keep your eyes fixed on me and you can step out into the unknown. You can step into the impossible because with God, all things are possible. And so they were blaming Moses In this time of struggle and challenge and difficulty, they forgot all of God's goodness. They forgot all of his faithfulness. They forgot everything that they had seen him just do, even though it was mind-blowing and boggling and incredible. They forgot it all. And fear gripped hold of them. But Moses, oh, how you got to love Moses. He wasn't scared. In that moment, he wasn't scared. He wasn't shaken. He wasn't worried because he hadn't forgotten God's goodness. He hadn't forgotten God's faithfulness. He too was in that place between a rock and a hard place, this impassable sea and the enemies coming after him from behind. He was in the same place as them, but his mind was different. His focus was different. He was focused on his saviour and not on his circumstance. And so in front of this angry mob, in front of this group of people, all pointing the finger at him and blaming him and jeering him, Moses stands up to them and he says this, Fear not. Fear not. Stand firm. And see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. No doubt, no hesitation, just 100% confidence in God's goodness. 
For the Egyptians whom you see today chasing up to you, getting closer and closer by the minute, you shall never see them again. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent or to be still. He wasn't shaken. He wasn't riddled and gripped with fear. He was confident in the goodness and the faithfulness of his God. And so he stood there and he made this declaration, this this rousing speech to the Israelites. But they are easy words to speak, but they are hard words to hear. Because when you're in that place and you're feeling that pressure and the challenges and the struggles keep pressing down upon you, it's easy to speak out the words, oh, don't be afraid, just stand firm. But doing it, that's a whole other ballgame. When you feel like the walls are closing in on you, stand firm. When you feel like time is running out, Stand firm when you feel like there is nothing left to do but give up all hope. Stand firm. That is what's being spoken over us today. And in that moment, Moses stretched out his hands over the waters and the Red Sea parted. The waters gathered up in walls on each side of them, creating this path. This impassable, impossible barrier between where they were and where God said they would be was cleared because of Moses' faithfulness, because he didn't doubt, because he had his eyes fixed firmly on God. They didn't have to wade through the Red Sea. They didn't have to swim across the Red Sea. They didn't have to go and scout out for a boat and row across the Red Sea. They walked across on dry land. They walked across on dry land. And then it goes on and it says that as the Egyptian army drew close, as they were getting close to the Israelites, they looked at this. I mean, it must have been just baffling for them to be chasing this army and saying, look, we've got them. They've got nowhere to go. And then these waters start to create walls in the sea. And they're probably thinking, what the heck is going on here? I mean, that's how I would have been. And the Israelites get across. And so the Egyptians are thinking, well, if it worked for them, it could work for us. And so they go in after the Israelites and chase after them and get into the waters. And it says in the scripture that God released the waters and it covered the chariots and it covered the horsemen and not one of the Egyptian army remained. They were all destroyed. They were all wiped out. Remember what I highlighted to you earlier, this revelation that I got this week, is that as the Israelites left Egypt, they were dressed for battle. They were armed, they were prepared, they were ready to go, they had their armor on. And so just think of that for a minute in the context of our key verse for 2024, the picture of the armor of God, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to what? Stand. That you may be able to stand the day of evil between the rock and the hard place between the enemy of the past and the impossible, impassable barrier in front of you. When temptation comes, 
when attacks come, when lies come, when judgment gets heaped upon you, when you get that bad report from the doctor, when you find yourself in financial difficulty, when you have lost your job out of nowhere, when a loved one dies, whatever it may be, arm yourself with the armor of God and get ready so that when that day comes, and it will come, you are ready to stand so that we can stand our ground, so that we can stand firm. The reality is that when the enemy caught up to the Israelites, when it looked like they were going to have to lift up those swords that they'd been carrying since they left Egypt, when it looked like they were going to have to get ready and fight, what happened? God won the battle. God brought the victory in this unexpected and supernatural way. They didn't need to swing their sword. They didn't need to fire any arrows. They didn't even need to lift their shield. Because the battle belongs to the Lord. They stood their ground. God's command is arm yourselves, put on the full armor of God so that you can stand firm. And they stood their ground. They trusted in God. They put their faith in the one who had already rescued them and they were saved. Church, we need to get battle ready. The battle belongs to the Lord, but the instruction is arm yourselves with the armor of God. We've got to get ready. We've got to get ready. We've got to get prepared. We've got to wrap the belt of truth around our waist. We've got to get our feet prepared with the peace of the gospel. We've got to lift up that shield of faith and we've got to hold and wield the sword of the Spirit in our hands. We need to get ready for battle, but the battle belongs to the Lord. The battle belongs to the Lord. You know, Malcolm said this to me when I first shared this message. He said, we don't take the armor off. We talk about putting on the armor of God. Some people say that when they wake up in the morning, they put on each of the piece of armor. And I quite like that idea. But Malcolm said something to me that challenged me. He said, we don't take the armor off. We just polish it up. We just polish it up. We just make sure that it is up to scratch. We just make sure we are reminded of what it is that we are already wearing. We've got to be ready for battle. The Israelites shifted their gaze, they moved their focus from their saviour to their circumstance and fear gripped them. They lifted up their eyes, it said. They lifted up their eyes. Church, we need to keep our focus on Jesus. It's so simple. It's so simple. But it's also really hard, isn't it? And I think that's what the walk of... A believer is like. That in reality, when you break it down, it is so simple. It is so simple. But carrying it out is where the challenge comes. When the rubber hits the road, when the hard times come, when the challenges begin to rear their ugly heads once again, when temptations from the past begin to creep in, when you find yourselves battling with all different kinds of things, The call is to stand firm. The call is to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, creator God, the Alpha and the Omega, 
the first and the last, who never changes, who is the same yesterday, today and forever. So in those moments, we need to remember the goodness and the faithfulness of God in our past so that we can stand firm in our present. Don't allow fear to grip hold of you so that you forget it all. We've got to remember God's goodness. We've got to remember his faithfulness. We've got to stand on his word, on the promises and the truth that we can read in scripture so that we can have the power, so that we can have the boldness, so that we can have the courage to stand firm in our faith. It's so simple. Just fix your eyes on Jesus. There's an old song there, isn't there? Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Why don't we pray? Yeah, so Father God, I just thank you for your goodness and for your faithfulness. I thank you for everything that you've done for us already and I thank you for everything that you will do for us in the future. God, you are good. You are faithful. You are true. And so God, we're just going to wait on you right now. That as we've opened your scriptures and we've maybe heard some truths and we've maybe heard some challenges and maybe, maybe we've even got some revelation from you that God right now as we just wait on your Holy Spirit that you would begin to plant those seeds deeply that you would begin to water those seeds so that they will grow and they will flourish 